All right. So the wildest thing that ever happened to me regarding insurance, when I graduated from college, I accepted a job with the travelers insurance companies. I really did it because I was dating a girl in the town where I live and took the job primarily because of that. But then when I was sitting in the HR training room, getting ready for orientation, a lady walked in. Her name was Jane and she turned out to be my wife. Been married to her now for 33 years. So within a few weeks, wow. the other girl was gone. Ooh. Jane and I were dating, and the rest is history. <laughs> Love and it. So my name is Brian Ahern. I am from Columbus, Ohio. I work with independent insurance agents, teaching them about the psychology of persuasion and how to apply it to get to better business results. Love it. And? And I'm an insurance dude, and I'm wearing a shirt to prove it. Insurance dudes are on a mission to escape being handcuffed by our agencies. How? By uncovering the secrets to creating a predictable, consistent, and profitable agency sales machine. I am Craig Pretzinger. I am Jason Feldman. We are agents. We are insurance dudes. Right now, while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. We took our notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies led Craig and I to selling more than $10 million in premium in the last two years. On this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the same results. Just go to live.teledudes.com. Dot com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us. If you jump on this call with us, we're certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there. Yes. And we have confirmation. <laughs> we did have the video on and uh, he was he was quick to point out that he's wearing an insurance suit shirt. So we yes. Yeah. Thanks so for cool. representing. And you Great just story. worked out. You also just worked out. So you're swole. That's right. I am. Cool. I am. Uh, like you know, Hans and Franz, I'm here to pump. Right. <laughs> that is awesome. So, so Brian, and I know you, you know, you've been on the insurance dudes and stuff, but just a real quick recap. Maybe if somebody hasn't seen that episode, and if you haven't go listen to that episode with Brian, but um, tell us how you got into the insurance business and, and as an author and a, and a uh, motivational speaker and everything, like kind of take us uh, through that journey. Well, when I was born, I said the first words out of my mouth were, I want to be in insurance. <laughs> like everybody, right? Right. Yeah. When I saw a letter from Travelers Insurance when I was in college, all of my perceptions were negative. And like I said before, the only reason I went to the interview is because the job was in Columbus and I was dating somebody. <laughs> but once I got into the industry, I realized it is truly a great industry to be in because at the end of the day, we do two things. I think we help people. When they have had something bad happen, if we've done our jobs well, we step in and we can help them get back on their feet. And that's a good thing. And the other thing that people don't think about is we help the economy, that the guarantees that the insurance industry makes free up banks to loan money to buy houses and build businesses and, and purchase mm -hmm. automobiles and things like that. And so there's this ripple effect that this economy that we live in is so much better because of this industry. And once I really laid hold of that, I, I decided this is where I was going to stay. And I spent most of my career on the corporate side. And, and I left about three years ago to pursue influence people full time. And my primary market remains independent insurance agents and insurance companies. Love it. That is 
Awesome. I love you taking us through that again. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about that earliest win, right? So I know that I guess meeting your future wife might have been a big win for you, but but what else? What else created that fuel that really lit your fire to want to help and, and train agents? Well, when I came, I was doing internal sales training work uh-huh. with the insurance company that I was with. I was working primarily with uh, field salespeople, and, and we had a really good training program also for independent agents. But when I came across the work of Dr. Robert Cialdini on the science of influence, I understood right away that this is the foundation of selling. Influence and persuasion are at the core of being able to change how people think, feel, and behave. And that's what we need to do when we're selling. And so once I realized that, I started utilizing it internally, saw the results that we were getting. And I ultimately went through some certification with Dr. Robert Cialdini and, and then took that information and we morphed it into a sales training opportunity. So I began working with independent agents on uh, very specifically on applying this psychology in sales to help them help their clients and ultimately run a better business. And, and that was back in 2008 when I started working with them. And, you know, the rest is history now. Super cool. So describe like the roles in the agency and how you help them. Primarily, it's, it's a producer. But sometimes agencies send CSRs as well. I mean, they're all selling. But for the producer, Mm -hmm. their compensation is primarily driven by what they can ultimately produce. And salespeople get this more than anybody. When they learn something and they put it into practice and they have success, that means more dollars. And and usually salespeople are competitive and they're, they're motivated by that opportunity to have unlimited income depending on how well they do their job. So when you start working with them and they put this into practice, that's where the light bulb comes on. And they're like, I get it now. This is the foundation of what I need to do to help my clients. So it's primarily the producers, sometimes the CSRs, but it would be short-sighted to say that those are the only people who need to understand this because if you're managing a department within a large agency or you're the owner and you're running that agency, you have to get everybody to do specific things. In other words, you've got to influence their behavior. So the more you as a leader or a manager understand this, the better off you're going to be in terms of helping to move the ball forward. Yes. So we all know that culture within the agency is super, super important. How do you go in, identify what needs to be tweaked? What are the common themes that you see regarding culture in an agency and and, uh, things that need to be improved upon? Uh, talk a little bit about that. Well, culture, I, I learned a lot about culture from an individual named Tim Kite, who is the uh, president CEO of uh, a group called Focus 3. And, and I think he has the best definition for culture that I've come across. Culture is the experience that people have with your organization. And the experience that people have is driven by the behaviors of the people that they're interacting with. And if you step back one more layer the behaviors of most people are driven by what they believe. So it becomes Mm. critically important for an agency to understand or to define what is the experience that our clients need to have so that they not only want to keep doing business with us, but they also want to turn around and tell others about us. And I think it's really, really important that an agency defines what that is. And it could be very different for different agencies, depending on the market that they go after. But once they know what that experience is, then they need to step back and say, okay, what are the behaviors that are going to ultimately create that experience for our customers 
all right, let's step back further. What is the mindset or beliefs that people need to embrace if they're going to work here so that we know that they're going to display the behavior? So that to me is a critical part. And when you're talking about the behavior piece, again, you're talking about influencing people. So what would that person who owns the agency or the people who are running the day-to-day operations, they need to understand how to change what people believe and ultimately change the behavior so everybody is acting in alignment to create that experience. You know, it's not going to do any good if you believe that, for example, uh, all the CSR should be cross-selling and somebody says, well, I don't Mm. like selling. I'm not going to do that. That's non-negotiable. You've got to have everybody doing that. Otherwise, you're going in different directions. Right. And when you're recruiting, how are you finding those people that can adopt those beliefs and, and that are open-minded to being part of a team and, and following a process? Well, I think, I think whether it's an insurance agency or any organization, they have to very clearly define what those non-negotiables are in terms of beliefs. Now, that doesn't mean that people who have other beliefs are bad or, or anything, but let's say an agency said, you know, we are not a nine-to-five shop. For us to provide the kind of service, and maybe we've got uh, customers in different geographic areas, we need to have our doors open, let's say, at 7 a.m., and we expect people to be here till 5.30, sometimes 6 o'clock, okay? You've got to get people who believe that that is something that's a worthy and they're willing to do that. You can't have somebody coming in and saying, well, you know what, um, work's not that important to me. I can only be here from 8 to 5. That's okay that that people might feel that way, but that makes you not a fit for this culture because we have we need to have people who who love what they do and don't mind. In fact, they like being here longer because they see the value in what they're doing and and helping people. Or another example might be uh, for us to succeed. We need to be a go to resource. We need to have people who are so well versed in insurance that we're able to spot and help things with our customers that maybe other agencies miss. Well, in order to have that, you probably have to have people who have a learning mindset, who who don't have to be told, oh, you need to go out and and get a CIC designation or you need to continue your learning. You wanna hire people who naturally want to grow in terms of their knowledge because they love learning and they love helping people. That would be a non-negotiable for an agency you know, again, if somebody says, well, I, I don't have time to pursue designations or, or do these other things. OK, doesn't make you a bad person, just makes right, you right. not a fit. So they need to define that. And then they start to build their interview process around that with with questions and and looking at prior behaviors and successes to say, is this person somebody who is going to be a fit for this culture? Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of agents may be too quick to rush to people that may not be a good fit in hopes that they can change them versus actually finding the right people. And I think that can not be great. Yeah, I I think it's it's probably well worth waiting to find that right person versus, well, this person seems good enough and we have a need and, you know, we'll work with them. Because, right. you know, changing some behaviors uh, changing aren't, aren't too difficult, but but when they're rooted in certain beliefs, they can be very, very difficult to change. Mm-hmm. And it's much easier to, to bring somebody on board who is like-minded. And, and when I say that, that doesn't mean that, for example, you're not going to have a diverse group of people. It doesn't matter, you know, if you're male or female, w- what your race or orientation or anything is to be a lifelong learner. 
or to be somebody who says, you know, I, I love what I do and I, I enjoy coming in early and staying late. You can have tremendous diversity still, but still adhere to those those cultural values that you need to succeed. Love it. When it comes to training, since you are the the training master, um, what are some effective tips, especially you bring on these new, well, for us insurance agents into the agency, what are some effective training tips that we could do right out of the gate to make sure that they ensure their success? One of the things that, that I learned a long time ago that I thought was incredibly helpful, and, and I'll talk training slash coaching. I worked for somebody who every week asked us Friday afternoon to make sure that we would send him our top two or three accomplishments for the week, the uh, top two or three priorities for the next week, and the number one challenge that we were facing. And he would use that in his coaching of us so that when we would get together, he could be a resource for that challenge. He didn't need to look over our shoulder. He knew what we were working on in that week coming up. And the other thing was, because you're the person who you bring in, you can't see them 24-7, you may not know some of the wins that they're having and yet they're having success. So it became a little bit of a brag sheet. And I think that that's Mm. a behavior that if more people in management and leadership positions would adopt, they would be able to have way more robust coaching conversations and would really understand that what that person needs from them in order to succeed. That's a great segue into what I'm about to ask, which is what are you seeing or or what kind of recommendations do you have for an agency to really keep their team motivated? Because it can be a grind. Yeah. Well, I'm a big believer in goals. And okay. and that when I have a goal, I know that I will do whatever with more intensity. I, I learned this primarily through through athletic. When I got out of college, I was a competitive bodybuilder for a number of years. When I stopped doing that, I started running marathons. When I was done with that, uh, I did Taekwondo for many years with my daughter. But every time I did those things, having a goal was a reason to do what I loved with more intensity and passion. You know, it, it just it always worked out that way. If I had my eye on a prize. And so if you've brought the right people in and you've got people who really want to be there and they believe in the mission and you can keep something in front of them that everybody is directed to. And this is why we're doing what we're doing and reinforce that. I think that's a, a huge motivator for most people. And if you're hiring the right people, if somebody has a goal out there and they don't give a darn about it, something's wrong then. You you probably don't have the right person in, in the agency. I love that. That is so true. Yeah. You got to have, there's got to be a reason behind it. It can't be just come into work and have a good day. <laughs> it's like that can become so mundane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's mundane, it's mundane enough sometimes when you're pursuing the goal. You know, for me, again, using an athletic example, if I was going to run a marathon, I would spend like five months getting ready. I I like to take the long view. I'm a firm believer that consistency over a long period tends to lead to good results. And and you have an opportunity to change your plan if if you need to. But, you know, getting up every morning and going out and running when that marathon's like five months or four months away, that's that's pretty tough. So there was always always intermediate goals too. You know, okay, I got a a 10K race that's going to come up and what am I going to do to get ready for that? Oh, I had success there. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I think applying that same mentality in business, it's, it's not enough to say, you know, we got this great potential year-end bonus. 
365 days away is a long time and it's not motivating. But when you start having some of those shorter milestones and you can see then clearly what the progression is, that becomes a lot more motivating than just hoping for, you know, what's going to happen at the end of the year. Right. Yep. A hundred percent. So when it comes to training agencies and, and sales teams, there's all different kinds of leads that we do with marketing. There's, there's paid leads, there's referrals. And uh, so there's different sources. Are there any different strategies that you use with different lead sources or what would you say about marketing and training as far as sales? To go to the referrals, I always recommend something when I'm in sessions with agents that's a little bit different than what a lot of people grow up doing. You know, a lot of people grow up and and they just hand out a business card. That is a total waste of time. <laughs> right. And then the other thing that I am dead set against is asking for a referral at the end of the sale. Now, I understand the psychology where somebody might go, well, they're happy and they just placed their business with you and there haven't been any mistakes so, you know, you are on the honeymoon, you should ask then. And I, I'm against that. My preference, the way that I would set that up is I might say to you at the close of a sale, Jason, I'd say, you know, Jason, I'm sure that you've probably had an insurance agent or two. Uh, once you've placed their business with them, they've asked you for referrals and, and don't worry, I'm not going to do that because I really haven't done anything at this point to truly show you that we can live up to our promise. But I'd like mm. to ask you this, if nine months from now, you're happy you made the switch. Would you be open to talking about referrals? Well, who would say no to that, right? I mean, if right. you're happy, you've made the switch for, for whatever your reasons are. And if nine months or whatever the right time frame is down the road, you're happy, then why wouldn't you be open? And, and so it's a very soft way too. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just saying, would you be open? And most people would be like, yeah, I'd be open to that. Now it's up to me to go into the agency management system and put on a note that <clears throat> I'm going to reach out to you in nine months, Jason. So when I reach out and I'm going to call up and I'm going to you know, do the niceties, we're going to talk about how the family is and everything, but I'm going to ultimately get to, Jason, do you remember when we had the conversation when you moved your insurance to us and I asked if you were happy, would you be open to talking about referrals? It, it sounds like you're happy. Is that the case? And if you come back mm -hmm. and say yes, then I'd say you know, uh, I know you weren't thinking about referrals today. I, can we just find a time next week, maybe 15 minutes on Tuesday or Wednesday afternoon to talk about referrals? And I very specifically do that because I'm using some psychology called persuasion. I'm setting the stage to make it more conducive when we have the conversation. Because once we find that time, Jason, and you hang up the phone, I'm going to shoot you an email that says, hey, thanks for agreeing to talk to me next week about referrals and you're the wheels of your mind are starting to turn and you're thinking, who can I refer to Brian? And, and you might think of, of that through the course of the weekend, but even if you don't, I'm going to either shoot you an email or a text that morning to say, Hey, are we still good for talking about referrals today at two 30? And all of a sudden the wheels are turning again and you're thinking, Oh yeah, I promised Brian, who can I refer? And I'm going to get more and better quality referrals when I have that conversation that afternoon than I would have if I just tried to pick your brain at the close of a sale. I love that. And I love the concept of persuasion, kind of setting the stage. How could we do something like that? I mean, a lot of us get, like in our agency, we, we do uh, transfers. So we have a telemarketing team that gives us transfers. And our motto is, I, you know, even if they say no, if they're on the phone, transfer it over. So the stage really 
isn't set. Do you have any kind of tactics that we could use to kind of like, we take this ultra cold lead that's not interested and kind of do some persuasion techniques before we get into the, the quoting process? First of all, let me say there's no magic wand to this. And and if I'm working with somebody, you you really want to start having an in-depth conversation about what would be the optimal mindset that that person would say yes to the next step. Right. And once you identify that, then you step back and say, what could I do to potentially put somebody into that mindset? And there's all kinds of things that we talk about, sights, sounds, surroundings. These are all triggers. If we are in a certain place, then it might lead to certain thoughts and certain behaviors. Now, I know you said you have people on the phone, so you're probably really going to have to rely on what specific words might I be able to use that could create that person's mindset or move them closer to the mindset so that when you make that next ask or or the transfer, whatever it is, they're more open to that. That's Mm. the thought process that that you need to have. Let me give you a tangible example that we use in some of the training. There was a grocery store where people would walk into the grocery store. Let's say you come walking in, Craig, and somebody like me greets you and I say, hi, I work for a marketing firm and we represent ABC Company. They've come out with a new type of pop and we're asking customers, if you're willing to give us your email address, we will send you an email with coupons for free samples. Would you be willing to share your email? And in that straight up ask, 33% of people said, sure. At a different time, 76%. So two and a half times more said yes to the same request. And the difference was a persuasive opening. At that other time, when you'd walk in, the person might say, excuse me, do you consider yourself to be adventurous? The kind of person who likes to try new things. Well, almost everybody can think of a time when they were adventurous and we all try new things all the time. So almost everybody said yes to that. And that's when they stepped in and said, I work for a marketing firm. We represent ABC company, yada, yada, yada. And 76%, because once you've convinced yourself, you're the kind of person who likes to try new things, why wouldn't you want to try that pop, right? So that's what I want you guys to think about. What would the right question or certain words that would start to change how somebody thinks so that when you come to the ask, it's a little bit easier for them to say yes. Hey, what are you still doing here? Well, while you're still here and while it's fresh in your mind, check out live.teledudes.com. Yeah, if you weren't listening before, we took notes from over 100 interviews with top agents from around the country and made it into a live webcast. Using these strategies did help Craig and I write over 10 million in premium in the last couple of years. And let me tell you, on this call, you'll receive the exact blueprint to get the very same results. Again, that's live.teledudes.com to register for this upcoming Tuesday's live call with us. And if you jump on with us, we are certain 2022 will be an absolutely fantastic year for you. See you there.